Ralph W. Harris had these words to say. He said, few people enjoy a study in the book of Leviticus. He said, it abounds in mystifying and bewildering terms. It talks of clean and unclean animals. How could this uh, distinction have any importance? There are strange commands looked at from the naturalistic viewpoint that sacrifices are a glory spectacle. Truly, here we find the strongest serving of strong meat of the word. I uh, had picked this word out to, to uh, talk about tonight in regards to our communion service without realizing that Brother Bartholomew was going to be here this morning and talk on sacrifices. And, of course, the Old Testament is explained by the New Testament, and the New Testament is pictured in the Old Testament. So, first of all, I'd like to read from Leviticus 7 and verse 11, which says, This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offering, which he shall offer to the Lord. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wrong one. 17. 11. I didn't think that sounded right. 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And keep your finger in Leviticus, because I'll be coming back there, but uh, I want you to look at Hebrews, because Hebrews is a New Testament book which really explains a lot of this mystifying stuff in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. I guess one of the hardest things for us to understand is why all the necessity for the shedding of blood. From a human standpoint, we look at this and, and we cringe. There's people that said that uh, they, they believe that all references to the blood ought to be taken out of Scripture. But if you take the blood out of Scripture you really take the heart out of the gospel. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The whole system of the Mosaic Covenant was to provide a means by which sinful man might approach a holy God. And this was done by a sacrificial system. Various types of offerings are outlined for us in the book of Leviticus. 
And from them we learn the proper way to approach God. In through these sacrifices, they found that there is a way to have forgiveness for sin. All of these points to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The principle back of the offering is that man sinned and man is doomed. It says that that soul which sins must die. That's what the law states. And man all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so we find that man is in a place where he needed to have a way back to a holy God. And God cannot look upon sin. In fact, he didn't even, he turned his back on his own son when his son became sin for you and I. Man was doomed and God had a plan whereby he could be saved. And that's being revealed to man through these sacrificial systems. Blood is the most important part of the sacrifice. The Hebrew word kephar is translated atonement, and it literally means covering or to cover. You see, it's like God takes the blood and there's a screen that's put over our sin that God doesn't see that sin anymore. It eradicates it. And we are, I like the way some people have uh, divided up this word atonement, at one month. We are put back into a state of whereby we are able to confer and we're able to have fellowship with a holy God. We're at one month with God. So the first part of our sacrifice was for our cleansing. And we find that in chapter 4 of Leviticus, chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins bringing guilt on the people, 
Then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hands on the bull's head, and kill the bull before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. The main emphasis here of the sin offering was on the atonement through the shedding of blood. And the procedure was this. The sin offering was brought to the altar by the sinner himself to the door of the tabernacle, and there he would lay his hands upon the head of that sacrifice, thereby transferring his sin to the animal. Now, I don't quite understand that, but I do know that as this person identified with that sacrifice, his sins was cleansed as the the animal would die in his place. And as we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, then our sins are transferred to Jesus. And our sins are covered by his blood. The guilt it was transferred by faith, and we must transfer our guilt by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Animals were slain as a substitute for the man. His blood was poured out, and they would take this blood and they would uh, sprinkle it on the ho- uh, horns of the brazen altar. And the rest was, uh, it was sprinkled before the, uh, the uh, screen, before the curtain. And it was also uh, poured out on the, uh, at the base of the altar. And the sin offering and the uh, uh, sinner were so closely connected that God looked upon both the offering and the sinner as though they were connected. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. What a bargain. God takes His Son, His righteous Son, His holy Son, and He transfers my sin. I wasn't even born yet. Neither were you. 
And he knew that I was going to be a sinner, and he took my sins, and he transferred them to the Lord Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin. He didn't just bear those sins, he became sin. He had never sinned. He was a sinless Son of God. Yet He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I don't understand all that, but I sure accept it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Secondly, these sacrifices was for our consecration. Leviticus chapter 1. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flocks. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hands on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make an atonement for him. The primary thought here behind this burnt offering was that of consecration. Dedication. The one who offered it was acknowledging the complete consecration to God He's acknowledging that complete consecration to God is necessary if he's going to have forgiveness. And this is a part of genuine worship. There must be a complete, whole consecration to God. The Hebrew uh, conveys the idea of sacrifice that went up completely. The whole sacrifice was burned. Secondly, it conveys the idea of atonement, or uh, at one like I said before. And consecration without the atonement is useless. The whole idea was to bring this unity... The ascending smoke represented the, de- uh, the desire of the offerer to give himself completely to God. The blood made the atonement for his inability to do so. And Jesus was our burnt offering. And let's look at uh, Hebrews again, chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's that consecration. Brother Bees talked about this morning about giving yourself wholly unto God, giving yourself completely unto God, which is our reasonable service. And full consecration unto God is necessary. And it's reasonable. We need to offer ourselves. No one else can do it for us. And he was quite explicit about that in his sermon this morning. There's some things mom can't do for you. There's some things that dad can't do for you. There's some things that that your boyfriend or your girlfriend can't do for you. There's one thing that you must do for yourself. You must bring yourself and bring this offering yourself. The Israelites had to bring the animal themselves. They had to kill the animal. It wasn't killed for them. They had to do it themselves. And we must personally bring ourselves to the door of the tabernacle, to the altar of sacrifice, and we must there present ourselves unto God. The burnt offering was to be offered continually. This wasn't a one-time thing. They had to do it continually. And I believe that, in a sense, this consecration that we're talking about is one that has to go on continually. Day after day after day, I have to continually offer myself to God. A living sacrifice unto God. I have to bring myself to the altar and I have to present myself upon the altar saying, here I am, God. I am being consumed because I love you. And I offer myself. It's my reasonable service. And the priests were commanded to keep the fire going on the brazen altar continually. And over in Peter, Peter says that we are a household of priests. Amen? And we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And the spiritual sacrifice that we are to offer... The brazen altar talks, speaks of the heart. And so upon our heart, we're to, from our heart, we're to consecrate ourselves. We're to offer ourselves up to God continually. Not just once, but on a continual basis. I, every day, every moment of the day, I have to continually offer myself up for the moment I don't and I take myself back 
Then I begin to live for the flesh. I begin to live for self. It's not a one-time thing. Although Jesus Christ has paid the price for us, it's still up to us to give this offering holy and acceptable unto God continually. And then last of all, sacrifices for our communion. Chapter 7 of Leviticus And verse 11, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offering. This is a different kind of offering. This is a peace offering, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of finely blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall be ho- belong to the priests who sprinkle the blood. Here we are again, sprinkling blood. Even for this peace offering, the sprinkling is going on. And the main thought of this sacrifice, this peace offering sacrifice, is that it ended in a meal, and it ended in fellowship, and it ended in communion with God. Peace with God. God's portion was burned on the altar. Part of it was given to the priest. And part of it went to the worshiper. And it was presented on one of three occasions. It was either presented for thanksgiving to the Lord for his mercies. Or it was presented to fulfill a vow, or it was just a free will offering because they loved God. And of course, as I already said, atonement was a part of it because they still had the sprinkling of blood going on. In summary, let me say this. The sacrifice of Christ provides for all of these. Cleansing, Consecration and communion. It brings us salvation, for without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. It was through his blood, by his blood, that we're saved. It can bring a life of godliness as we consecrate ourselves unto God. It can bring a life of fellowship with the Holy God. But first of all, you start out by accepting Christ and his shed blood. 
As I said, once you've accepted Jesus, then you continually consecrate yourself to God. And it ends in a meal. I think that all of these things were in the mind of the Lord that night in which he was betrayed. He was in that upper room and he knew that one of those that were, was in his midst had betrayed him. And he spoke it out. And each one of the disciples in turn said, Lord, is it I? I think that they really didn't know. They were wondering, how have I failed him? It was that same night that he took bread. And after he blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Somehow, I just got to believe that he looked down through the centuries and he saw all believers for all times. And he said, This is my body, broken for you, and for you, and for you. We've got to take this very personally. We've talked about sacrifices today of sacrificing ourselves. But Jesus gave us a picture of what sacrifice is really about. He gave his life. That's what sacrifice is about, giving your life. After the same manner, he took the cup. And after he had supped, he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus is coming for us, people. And I, I just believe time is running out. And I believe that's why the eternal spirit is so concerned tonight, today. He's been concerned about, I believe it's the message all day long. That we're to offer ourselves a consecration, a living sacrifice, dedication, sold out for Jesus, laying ourselves upon the altar. And I believe that as we prepare to come to the communion table tonight, that's the kind of prayer we ought to be praying. Father, here I am. Mold me, make me, use me.
I come laying my life before you, not knowing what lies ahead, but knowing that whatever it is, I want to be used of you. I want to be something that is useful in your hands. I come laying myself on the altar and saying, God, do with me whatever you want to do that Jesus Christ might be glorified in and through my body. I withhold nothing. You withheld nothing. And God, you're our example. We come tonight as a whole burnt offering. And we know that in your nose it's a sweet-smelling savor. And as you're dedicating yourselves, if I could have the elders come, we'll prepare to receive communion. I'm going to ask that everyone would hold the elements of communion until everyone has them, and we'll partake together. Father, may your blessings be upon these elements of communion. May you be with each believer tonight as they search their heart, confess their sins, consecrate themselves holy and acceptable unto you. Father, prepare us now for that communion, that oneness, that atonement. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.